0: We're, we're picking up in the Gospels. Let me just get straight into it because I, I, I want to get through a certain section today. I want to get through uh, him meeting not only uh, with Pilate but with, with Herod. So just let me pick up in reference to where we left off last week. For those of you who are not here, I'm going to pick up at John 18, verse 28. It says, Then they led Jesus... From Caiaphas, who was the high priest designated by the Roman authority, to the governor's headquarters, it was early morning, and they did not enter the headquarters themselves, otherwise they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover the hoggiga sacrifice I forget what I was saying last week, but it was not hoggiga it was I think I got my syllables uh, interchange there, but the Haggigah Passover sacrifice was what happened on Friday morning at 9 a.m. And they knew that if they went into this Gentile building place, they would be defiled. The whole reason we say that is so that you know there's an additional sacrifice that happened besides the Thursday night Passover sacrifice. There had to be A Friday morning sacrifice called the Hagigah. So so Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. There was no charge because their primary witness, Judas, had already gone out and hung himself. He's dead. The the one guy that was going to bring the charge against Jesus can't do it. So now they don't have a civil charge to bring against Jesus to Pilate. It says in verse 31, Pilate told them, you take him and you judge him according to your law. Now this was a big deal because Pilate is basically saying to the Jews, I understand that the Romans have taken away your authority that very year, 30 A.D., the Romans took away the Jews' authority to practice capital punishment. And their way of practicing capital punishment was by what? Stoning. The Roman authority had taken this away from them. But Pilate's saying, I understand it's taken away, but I'm giving you the ability to go ahead and do it this one time. You go take Jesus and you judge him among your own rules and laws and you're welcome to stone him yourself. And here's what they said. <laughs> it's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. You see, they declared this, even though Pilate has given him this one time, you can do this. They're saying, if we, if we the Jews, kill him, do you realize what that's going to do? We're going to lose... the the whole Jewish nation will revolt against us. If we go against what they want, we're done. This system is done that we live in, this whole Jewish system, this old covenant system. Our jobs are done. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? We'll lose our jobs. We can't be the leaders anymore. If we're the ones that stone him, But watch this, here's the big part. Verse 32, they said this so Jesus' words might be fulfilled, not that they were trying to fulfill them, but just so prophecy would be fulfilled, that Jesus' words might be fulfilled indicating what kind of death he was going to die. It says Jesus was going to die on a tree in the prophecy, if you go all the way back to Deuteronomy. So now prophecy says Jesus has to die on a tree wouldn't work if the Jews were going to stone him. Who crucifies? The Romans do. The Romans are the ones that have to put Jesus to death. Here, here's a great story. Let me back up and put this. I, I want to revisit a story this morning. If you go back to John chapter 8. If you talk about stoning, there was one time when Jesus was trying to to be tricked by the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the whole Sanhedrin, those that, the multitude that were following Jesus. They were trying to pin him into blasphemy, to do something against the law. I take you back to John chapter 8, in verse 3, it says this, <clears throat> Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, Making her stand in the center. You know, the Jewish law said that they had to bring someone to conviction within 24 hours. Like, they're literally standing at this woman's door, waiting for her to do her thing, and then that they were going to bring her to Jesus. They found a woman who was committing adultery, and they brought her to Jesus. It says teacher, they said to him. Ah, they called him teacher, I love it. Teacher, they said to him, This woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Again, guess what year this is? Thirty A.D., the same year that Jesus was going to be crucified, the same year the Romans took away the authority of the Jews to practice capital punishment. Jesus, what are you going to do? The law that was given to Moses that we all follow, that you follow, that you adhere to, says this lady must be stoned. But the Roman government says you can't stone anybody. It's a trap. It makes sense. If you take this story in this book and you put it with history, world history, and Jewish history, all of a sudden it makes sense. Watch this. Verse 6 They asked him, they asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus, this is. This is my Savior. Jesus stooped down and he started writing on the ground with his finger. You can write a whole message just on that right there. The hand of God stooping down, nobody knows what he wrote, it's not in the Bible. There's a lot of theories, a lot of hypothesis about what Jesus wrote. But Jesus began to write in the ground. It says, when they persisted in questioning, He stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. <laughs> Obviously, G- Jesus is the Son of God. He, next month we celebrate Him as a, as a baby born. And then we know that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. And as He grew, I'm sure that God revealed things to Him as He grew in wisdom and stature. And one of the things that I'm sure God revealed to Him at this very moment while He's stooped down in the dirt, riding in the dirt with His finger, tell these men, Tell these men, if they want to cast a stone, they have to be sin-free of the exact same sin. (laughs) God tells Jesus to say this. If there's anybody here that can cast the first stone, in other words, Jewish law says, You cannot stone a person if you've committed the exact same sin. It's impossible. It's against the law for you to do that. God tells Jesus to say this. And watch this. Then he stooped down again and he continued riding on the ground like he's not looking at the men. He's looking at the ground. And when they heard this, they left one by one. What did that just say? (laughs) That the scribes, the Pharisees, the leaders of the Jewish nation, all committed adultery. They all walked away. They all did the same sin. You're not going to read that in there. But that's what happened according to Jewish tradition. God enlightened Jesus that these men had done the same thing. It says, when they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they now? Like, he's down here riding in the dirt, looking down, and he. It's done, and he stands up, and he's like, huh, where'd they go? Imagine that. And he looks at the woman and says, hey, look, there's no one here to stone you. Has no one condemned you? She's like, no one, Lord, no one. Lord? <laughs> she called him Lord. And Jesus looks at this woman who within the last 24 hours has committed adultery. Is supposed to be stoned according to the law of Moses and says, neither do I condemn you. Go from here and stop sinning. Just stop. Just stop what you're doing. I'm not going to condemn you. Just stop. Now, I read that, and I sit there and go, they really wanted to trap him back then, but my Jesus, my Savior, not only bold enough to stand up, to this evil pack of men. But God gave him wisdom. God gave him revelation. And all of a sudden, it absolutely makes sense. Jesus somehow knew that all those that came to stone this woman had committed the same sin. Now, let me take you to Luke chapter 23. 1. Then their whole assembly rose up, brought him before Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, we found this man misleading our nation and opposing payment of taxes to Caesar and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. <laughs> Let me back up and give you some more history here about Pilate. I told you in the last two weeks that Pilate just hated the Jews, and really the Jews hated Pilate. They were obviously in opposition. The charge that they're bringing now to Pilate is sedition against Rome, that the man's not paying taxes. He says that he's the Messiah. He says that he's a king. I want to read to you, From what Eusebius says in an ecclesiastical history book. This is a history book. This is not out of Ecclesiastes in the Bible. This is a history book. But this talks about how Pilate became the governor of the Jews. There was one in authority, a Roman named Sejanus, who was then in great favor with Tiberius, who was the overall ruler of the Romans. "...had made every effort to destroy the whole nation of the Jews from the foundation. And that, in Pontius Pilate, under whom the crimes were committed against our Savior, having attempted everything contrary to what was lawful among the Jews, respecting the temple at Jerusalem, which was then yet standing, excited them to the greatest tumults." In other words... So Janus is in charge of this whole area and he's put Pilate in there because he knows Pilate absolutely hates the Jews. We know Pilate hates the Jews just because of Josephus. Josephus says, On another occasion, Pilate used money for the temple treasury. What the Jews had given to the temple to, for things of the temple, now Pilate has taken, watch this, "...to construct an aqueduct. When the Jews assembled outside his quarters to protest, he ordered soldiers to dress like the Jews and mingle among the crowd. On his signal, the soldiers drew clubs hidden in their clothes and beat and killed many of the Jews." This is from Josephus. This is a historian. This is not the Bible. Pilate hated the Jews and the Jews hated Pilate. And now they've come and brought Jesus to Pilate and said, He's a king. He's a king. This obviously disturbed Pilate. This disturbed Pilate, so Pilate asked him. I want to refer to John 18.33. Flip back to John 18.33. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the king of the Jews? Nothing mentioned here about taxes. He doesn't ask him about what they actually brought charges against him for. He skips the whole tax questions and goes, are you a king? Are you the competitor to Caesar? Do you really think that you're the man? And Jesus in verse 34 says, Are you asking this on your own? Or have others told you about me? In other words, are you asking me as a Roman? Or are you just hearing this from the Jewish leaders? Jesus is making him process and think, What is your inquiry about? He's like, I'm not a Jew, am I? All I want to know is, are you a competitor of my king, Caesar? Pilate replied, your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus says this, my kingdom is not of this world. That's a big verse right there. That gets uh, distorted a little bit. Yes, right there, Jesus pretty much said, My kingdom is not of this world. I'm a king. Just not of this world right here. Yeah, I'm a king. But His kingdom, His reign, does not come from the authority of this world. You see... The Jews were under Roman authority at this time, and Pilate was under the authority of the emperor, but Jesus derived his authority from God. Yeah, I'm a king, and yes, I have a kingdom, but it doesn't have anything to do with what we're seeing right here. His kingdom is spiritual. In the hearts of his followers, he doesn't depend on worldly or fleshly means to advance his causes it's all spiritual look if his kingdom were from this world by now his followers would have assembled an army and fought to release him it would have been evident right here he could have easily gotten out of this mess just because of his followers Jesus came to be the king and establish his kingdom here on earth. When he was born, Christmas, he came here to establish his kingdom and be king on earth, but his own people rejected him. Like, that was the intent. For Jesus to be the king... When he came here, and the Jews absolutely rejected him. It, think about it. If, if they would have accepted him, that would have meant that John the Baptist would have actually been Elijah. Would have taken on that role. But Jesus was rejected. It didn't happen. And Jesus right here is declaring right now that this kingdom... It's not happening right now. He says, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom's not from here. They rejected me. My kingdom is somewhere else. Verse 27 says, you are a king then? (laughs) Did you just say that you're a king? Pilate is processing what Jesus just said In light of what Sejanus, his leader, put him in authority to do, Jesus replied, You say that I'm a king. I was born for this. I came here in a manger. I was born to be a king. And I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. I'm going to camp right there for a second. Everyone who is of truth, who's this? Who's of truth? Hello? Yes. What? Believers. Us. That's us in this room. We're of truth. Why are we of truth? Have the Holy Spirit. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Simply put, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Does intellectualism cause you to understand the truth? Absolutely not. Pilate was an intellectual man. He was a very intellectual man. Jesus is like saying, Those who are of the truth hear my voice. Jesus said right there to Pilate, Look, you want to know what I'm the king of? I'm the king of truth. That's who I am. I'm the king of truth. Pilate looks at him and asks one of the best questions of all time. Gets asked every day here. Yeah, what is truth? What is truth? Do you think he was pondering that question, what is truth? Or do you think he was intently asking Jesus, so what do you think truth is? What is truth? Here's what I know. Pilate was not of the truth. If Pilate would have been sitting in this room and you said us, that would have been us minus Pilate. That's what I know. Pilate was not of the truth. Therefore, He couldn't hear the king of truth's voice. He he couldn't recognize truth. Can you recognize truth? Yes, because you have the Holy Spirit. Pilate is literally standing here. He asked the question, what is truth? And he's looking at the source of truth in his face. How crazy is that? Like, ah, ah. I believe he's the truth. This is true. But Jesus is the truth. I believe that. And Pilate is literally standing there looking at the source of the truth and he's like, what is the truth? And I believe that those who are of the truth are clued in in what we are teaching in this very room right here. Look, I'm not ignorant. I hang out with you people all the time. I can tell those that desire to be of the truth. We're not talking about salvation here, we're talking about those that desire to be of the truth, those that desire to hear. His voice. It's evident. Look. When crisis occurs, and I promise you it will, (laughs) I'm always going to give you the same instruction. I will always give you the same instruction. You call me, Guarantee you I'm going to say this to you. Keep your mouth shut. And seek the wisdom of a small circle of friends that you absolutely trust. Keep your mouth shut. And keep your circle of people that you're seeking wisdom from to a small group of people that you trust that you absolutely know have that you know they have wisdom. Quit telling everyone your story. Trying to get sympathy. Trying to get somebody to agree with your selfish fleshly opinions. That's kind of harsh, isn't it? Just stop. The second thing I'll say to you is this. Go to the King of Truth. Go to the King of Truth. Yes, put wisdom around you, but go to the King of Truth. You do that through prayer. You do that through being in His Word. Go to the source of truth. Know what's true. He will tell you everything that you need to know. I don't know what to do. I'm telling you where to go. You have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead in you that I have in me, in your mortal bodies. The same exact Romans 8.11 says that. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. It's the source of truth. It will tell you exactly what you need to know and tell you exactly what you need to do. You see, Pilate doesn't want Jesus to win. And neither Pilate or the Jews will win. I take you to Matthew chapter 27, verse 12. It says... While he was being accused the chief, by the chief priests and elders, he didn't answer. Jesus didn't say anything. He just kept his mouth shut. Hmm. Then Pilate said to him, Don't you hear how much they're testifying against you? But he didn't answer him on even one charge. So the governor was quite amazed. The people are yelling, telling him what all he's done, Pilate's asking him questions and Jesus just stands there. Come on, Jesus. Give us one of those good old gut punches like you delivered in the past. Who wins? The man who never opens his mouth. That's who wins. You know, I, I said on Facebook just this week, I said I'm posting, posting less and less on Facebook. And then, of course, in the comment, somebody says, why? Why are you posting less and less? And of course, I didn't respond to it. Uh, but I could spend the rest of my life defending myself and what I believe and what I do and what I teach. Seriously. I could... I could waste a lot of time defending myself rather than just being in the Word, studying it and figuring it out and coming here and teaching it. No one has time for defending themselves. I don't have time for that. I, I get it. If I don't reply back or if I don't com- comment, I'm rude. So therefore, I post less and less and just focus on the King, the source of truth. It, it really is easier just to keep quiet and deliver truth for those who actually want to hear it rather than those that want to pick it apart. I never wanted to put these messages out online in the beginning because I just I didn't want to have to respond to it all didn't want to have to i'm at the point now where i don't even care i would rather have you hear this make it available to you so you can hear it those that want to hear it yes thank todd god thank you for todd I guarantee you, people will always talk about you. And they're always going to accuse you. I promise you it's going to happen. All I'm telling you is keep walking by the Spirit. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Just keep walking by the Spirit. (laughs) Honestly, would you rather have yourself defending yourself or would you rather have Jesus defending yourself? (laughs) Think about that one for a second. I'll go with Jesus. I've been there, done that. My friend Rob Bell always says, stick to what you know is true. I believe that. Stick to what you know is true. And then I take you to Luke 23, 4. We're almost done here. In verse 4 it says, Pilate then told the chief priests and the crowds, I find no grounds for charging this man. But they kept insisting, he stirs up the people teaching throughout all Judea from Galilee where he started even to hear. What? Huh. What did Pilate hear? He heard Galilee? What? Did you say he's from Galilee? Oh, I'm not in charge in Galilee. I'm in charge here. You know who's in charge in Galilee. Herod's in charge of Galilee. You boys take him up to Herod. I wash my hands of this whole deal. I'm glad you said Galilee. Ha. That's Herod's issue now. <laughs> it's so it's so awesome the way that you see this thing now. It says when Pilate heard this, he asked if a man was a Galilean. You see, Pilate didn't want to be the bad guy here. He didn't want to mess up the whole system. Finding that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem. It's the Passover. Herod's not a Jew. What's he doing in Jerusalem? You're about to find out. He sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem during those days. Verse 8, Herod, who was actually Herod Antipas, was very glad to see Jesus Herod was glad to see Jesus. He's been looking for Jesus. Maybe that's why he was in Jerusalem, because he knew that Jesus would be there for the Passover. For a long time he wanted to see him because he had heard about him and he was hoping to see some miracle performed by him. Jesus, I want to see this magic show that you're doing. I've heard about you all over the land. You do some pretty crazy stuff. I want to see some of them. You know who Herod Antipas is, right? Let me take you to Luke chapter 9, verse 7. It says, Herod the Tetrarch heard about everything that was going on. He was perplexed because some said that John had been raised from the dead. Some that Elijah had appeared and others that one of the ancient prophets had risen. And Herod Antipas says, wait, 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 I beheaded John. But who is this I hear such things about? And he wanted to see him. He's talking about Jesus. This whole time, he's like, wait, I put John, you know who Herod Antipas is, right? He married his brother, he married his brother's wife, Herodias. And John the Baptist is the one that called Herod Antipas out. And Herodias didn't like that at all. So when. Watch this. When Herod Antipas and John the Baptist actually became friends, he wanted to please his wife and says to his daughter, and, his, and says, "What is it that I can give you?" And Herodias tells his daughter, "said Ask for John the Baptist's head." Well, Herod had already made this promise to his daughter, so now he's got to go kill John the Baptist, who he actually likes. Has to behead and put his head on a silver platter. It's Jesus' best friend. This is the same Herod. I, I, I beheaded John, your friend, but I want people say that he's raised from the dead. I want to see what's going on here. Herod wanted to meet Jesus. Are you kidding me? And get this: Herod is not a part of us, not a part of the truth. He was Roman. He was wanting to see amazing things, so he kept asking him questions. But Jesus, what did Jesus do? He didn't answer him. Just shut his mouth. He used no words to defend himself. Who won? (laughs) Jesus, how'd he win? Didn't say a word. My flesh would have gone off on Herod. (laughs) If it would have been me, I'd have been, oh dude, you're so vile. Jesus didn't say a word. The chief priests and scribes stood by vehemently accusing him. Then Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt, mocked him, dressed him in bright clothing, and sent him back to Pilate. They abused him. We like to use the term bullied. And Jesus said nothing. Spit on him, mocked him, dressed him up, made fun of him. Jesus took it. Didn't have to defend himself. That very day, (laughs) Herod and Pilate became friends. Previously, they had been enemies. It's a territorial thing, an authority thing, but now all of a sudden, Pilate's like, hey, Herod. You'd be in charge. And Herod's like, oh, Pilate's letting me have authority. They became buddies. Isn't that special? Herod had this sense that Pilate was affirming his leadership. <laughs> we all know Pilate just didn't want anything to do with it. But you see, here's what we know about Herod. I close on this. Herod was a ruthless man. We're not talking about Herod the Great, who was the architect, the builder. The grandson of Herod the Great. Herod Antipas. But we know this according to history. That nine years later, in 39 AD, Herodias, the same one that told her daughter to ask for John the Baptist's head, Suggested that Herod go to Rome. Why don't you go to Rome? And maybe you can become the king if you go to Rome. Just go, just go now. Just go to Rome and possibly you can be king. And guess what? Herod listened to her and went to Rome. And guess what happened when he got to Rome? This is nine years after Jesus died. They exiled him to France, and he died a pauper in France. (laughs) Why would I tell you that? That's why I wanted my son here. I'll say it. Corey, it would benefit you greatly to marry a wise woman. You see, Herodias caused a lot of harm for her husband, Herod. It benefits you to marry a wise person. Wisdom's a big deal. Father, I, uh, I thank you that I'm standing here uh, with my friends. And I feel, I, I know that I'm in a, a room of people that are full of wisdom. And I know this, that knowledge comes from the world, but wisdom comes from you. And so I pray as a group that you would make us more wise, that you would give us all more wisdom. It doesn't come from ourselves. It doesn't come from knowing things. It it literally comes from you. I trust that you will give wisdom to this group right here. That we will know how to walk this earth listening to the voice of truth. And trusting what we know. Lord, I, I thank you for uh, your word and my friends. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.